Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another hundred meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another episode of the 1085 Grand Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey. Uh, it's episode 59, a little post-first round edition of our podcast. Unfortunately, I don't have my normal sidekick with me, uh, Jack McCurry, but I do have with me uh, Jake Burns of Waiting for Next Year. How are you doing tonight, Jake? Hey, I'm good, man. Hanging on. End of the night. Uh, pretty fun first round. Thanks for having me on, man. Of course. Uh, you know, I'm glad that you agreed to do this. I apologize that it's like midnight, but I guess with the NFL draft, you kind of expect uh, that coverage to go a little bit long. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The first round, man, they, they spread this thing out as long as they can. Uh, absolutely. Well, let's um, let's jump right into this. Uh, you know, we've been hearing rumors uh, of what the Browns are going to do for weeks months uh first it started sam donald then it was uh josh allen then it was baker mayfield then it was back to sam donald again and when the first pick came tonight we got baker mayfield what was your overall reaction to them drafted baker number one yeah it's 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 a surprise i mean i love it i've been a staunch believer in the kid for a long time i uh I think he's going to be a really productive NFL quarterback. You know, we talk a lot about base uh, floor for these guys. I think his floor is, is around the Jeff Garcia mold. I think that's what he can be at the bottom of the spectrum. And he can be even better than that, obviously, as he improves as the game comes to him over time. Um, you know, and the, and the scheme aligns for who he is as a quarterback. So I was obviously leaning Sam Darnold, as I think most of us were over the last few days. And really, I've led... Uh, sorry lean towards sam darnold heavily since they or sorry since sam declared so um you know the buzz really caught steam late last night and into today and uh you know i, I couldn't believe it until i saw it and then it, it happened and you know i i, I think it's 
I always ask myself the question: If Johnny Manziel didn't flounder here, um, not not even the, the 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 person that he was, Johnny Manziel, but the player um, didn't flounder, didn't put in the work, that kind of thing, how would I feel about this pick? And I think if you remove that, I would feel really good if you if you separate the two of them. So I feel very good about what he can be uh, as a leader, as an emblem to the city. Um, if he can if he can if he can put his put his act together and, and mature into the right quarterback that we hope any of these young guys can mature into. I think it's, I think it's a sound pick there. I, 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 you know, I, I'll have no issue. I don't want to be too over the top with it because I learned my lesson in years past. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, you just I think get, we all have, yeah, I think you just got to see it. And I, I, I trust that he's the perfect blend of analytics and, and quality film. And, uh, and that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing to see the front office is still relying on Paul DePodesta, still relying on Andrew Barry, those guys, um, who are an intricate part of Sashi Brown's team before, while also blending their football acumen um, from from the likes of Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith and uh, you know John Dorsey. So it's a good pick. It's a good pick all around. I think they hit a home run with it. I think it's going to take a while for it to settle in for some people, the older generation, those kinds of things. People who are, like their quarterbacks to look a certain way and act a certain way. It could take a little bit of time, but you know, just win. If you win games, man, everybody's going to love you. Oh. When you're looking at Baker Mayfield and you look at the coaching staff that they have with Hugh Jackson and uh, Todd Haley as the offensive coordinator, what what do you think we could expect from Baker Mayfield with this uh, coaching staff as is right now? Good question. Interesting question because I'm not sure how to answer that given the murky future of the current regime. Um, uh, I, I don't know if he's going to play next year, and then that's okay. I think he'll turn 24 during – He'll be 23 throughout the season. He just had a birthday not too long ago, I think. Um, so, you know, for, for, for Baker, I don't think the plan will be for him to play. The plan will be for him to learn. I think what Todd Haley does offensively is going to really benefit him. He's a heavy drive-the-ball-downfield uh, opportunity taker as a play caller, but he also calls a really wide plethora of wide receiver screens, and I think that that's going to be something he incorporates to benefit Jarvis Landry, to benefit – Josh Gordon, and I think those are throws that Baker does really well, rhythm timing throws. Um, but he can also sit back when he can when he can get time. He can sit back and drive the ball downfield into some tight windows. So I think schematically he will fit what they want. Um, you know, I think I think I've talked about Baker's accuracy to all three levels of the field. Yeah, he's going to have to work some play action. He's going to have to. Um, you know, get comfortable a little bit under center. I don't think much. I think a lot of what Todd Haley did in Pittsburgh was from the gun. So, um, you know, I, it's it's going to be interesting. I don't know how they're going to curtail it. Will the offense look different if, if uh, you know, when Tyrod Taylor's playing as opposed to Baker Mayfield? I don't know. I, I, I do feel like those two have a pretty similar skill set, and it's going to be a hand-in-glove fit for when they, they move on from Tyrod and it just it's all very murky with who the head coach will be and who the offensive coordinator will be long term because as you know as well as I do Hugh Jackson's future is is certainly uh, in the gray area and that's being generous so he has to win ball games so we might not even see Baker Mayfield play with this regime so we'll see I don't I, don't, I know that answer kind of sucked but that that's that's kind of where I'm at I think he can do things within what Todd Haley loves to do but uh, is Todd Haley going to be here long term we just we just don't know Oh, when you're looking at the Tyrod Taylor move, looking back at it in hindsight, does that really scream to you now, Baker Mayfield? I don't. I don't know. I think a lot of people think John Dorsey knew around that time frame. I I, I always try to put myself in the position of what 
what would the front office be thinking? So they're, they're sitting there at the time of that trade thinking, uh, we don't know who we're picking. We, we obviously like Baker Mayfield. We like Sam Darnold. We like Josh Allen. Um, these are guys we like. Two of the three of those guys are super young. Um, let's hedge our bet here. Let's go into free agency with a settled quarterback. Uh, we have a plethora of picks. Let's pass along uh, one of those picks that are, are, are picks that we view that we can part with for stability at the quarterback position. It's tough to put a price tag on stability at that position when you just haven't had it for so long. So, you know, I had a lot of discussions with people leading up to the draft about, well, uh, well what, what sense would it make to draft Baker when he's going to want to play day one and you already have Tyrod? Well, it doesn't not the way that the world turns as a GM. you got to think, I'm going to hedge my bet here, and I'm going to get a quarterback I know is going to be here rock solid. I know who he is as a pro, but I'm also going to take a bet on a quarterback long term here. And it, it, to me, it, it's just wild to think, well, Sam Darnold fits the mold of somebody to sit behind Tyrod Taylor and learn and be patient. Well, so we're going to base our entire projection of who the best quarterback is because we're going to fit who will sit, who will naturally sit behind a player like that's just it's a, it's an asinine train of thought to me. You, you you pick the best player. If Baker's ready to play week one, you play him week one. If he out if he beats out Tyrod, if he's not ready until 2019, then you play him 2019. It's it's not a formulaic thing. There's no you know it's not a linear progress to being the starting quarterback. He's going to have to earn it, but you don't know when he's going to earn it. So um, you know you you pick the best player. I think they pick the guy they feel is the the best player, and you you feel good about that. But you also know at the same time, hey. If Baker doesn't feel ready, we don't have to rush him onto the field. We have a, a quarterback who's taken teams to the playoffs, and we feel good about that quarterback anyway. So we, we're kind of hedging our bet here. We're doubling down. We have a couple guys who we feel good about at the position, so it makes sense for everybody. I, I love the way they did it. I love the way they structured it. It probably threw the scent off um, the, the Baker Mayfield angle that they were taking anyway. So just impressive all around. I like what they did. I like how they kept it concealed. Uh, nobody really knew. It seems like Baker truly found out when he got a call from Dorsey just minutes before the pick, and it's just it just seems like it's uh, it's it's headed in the right direction. You know, that was one of my opinions about Deshaun Kaiser last year. My my thought going into the season was, it's the best case scenario for the Browns if he beats out the other two quarterbacks on the roster because that shows he is the best quarterback, and you know he can sit there or go out and learn for those sixty games. Unfortunately. It was a disaster, and that's why we ended up with the win of the season. But, you know, I thought that was best-case scenario then, and, and I think that's the best-case scenario now. If Baker Mayfield goes into training camp, goes through the preseason, and is the best quarterback on the roster, then he can start week one. I, I You know, you mentioned hedging your bets. That that, that would be, like, the, the perfect scenario. And maybe then you could – trade Tyrod to a, a team that might need a, a backup quarterback or if somebody gets hurt because it, it seems like over recent years we always have someone that gets hurt in preseason. So there, there will be that option as well. Um, last question about Baker. When you're looking at the, the four quarterbacks that were taken in the top ten, Baker, Darnold, Rosen, and Allen, does it seem to me that Baker had the least amount of questions of of uh, the on-the-field athlete versus the other three, because with Darnold, uh, you know, you had the, the turnover situation. Uh, you know, he's only been playing the position for a few years. Uh, you had Rosen with the injury concerns and the durability. You had the accuracy issues uh, with Josh Allen. So was Baker Bay- Mayfield the best polished quarterback in this draft? 
Yeah, I think that's how they viewed it. I think there's no way they couldn't have viewed it that way and made that selection. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think he was probably the perfect blend for them of uh, football ability on tape and the analytics saying this kid, um, based on his Q-based stat, is going to be one of the better quarterbacks we've seen come out of the draft. So um, that's kind of why I mentioned the alignment felt right to me. Um, you know, from an analytical and football standpoint, making the two of those, you know, meet for the perfect prospect for them. And a part of it, too, is the leader, who he is as a leader, too. I mean, I think that there's no denying Baker elevated the, 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 the players around him. I'm not going to sit here and deny that schematically Oklahoma didn't do a great job and Lincoln Riley didn't find a way to get guys open. But, you know, they replaced over 60% of their production from 2016 to 2017, and Baker carried them, elevated them to um, – you know, obviously the college football playoff and big wins at Ohio State and Oklahoma State, a couple wins over TCU, and he was the best player on the field week in and week out, and you just couldn't deny it. So, yeah, I mean, I think as far as on-field questions, he carried the least amount of, of natural uh, questions. There are things Baker's going to have to prove, you know, when, when things get tight, when things get condensed, uh, how quickly is his anticipation going to mesh you know, I, I had concerns in the second half of that Georgia game when Georgia came out of the locker room and just said, we're going to play man-to-man, we're going to blitz, and we your, your guys have to beat our guys, and your quarterback's going to have to throw extremely quickly to, to avoid pressure. And I just don't think he was prepared for that. I think it's interesting. We talk about correctable things, and a lot of the knocks on Baker is that he would oftentimes pass up an open option to try to drive the ball downfield and take more and take more and take more. Um, to me, as a quarterback, you know, if I'm – if for example – we have a, a smash concept called a hitch by your outside guy and a corner route by number two. And the obvious read is you're going to read the corner. If the corner sits on the hitch, you're throwing the, the route over the top to, to, to number two, the corner route. Um, you know, if, if, if that corner bails, you're going to throw the hitch. A lot of what times what Baker would do is he'd pass on his open first read because he had a feeling or had worked through it processing wise to feel like he could know who was open after that. Now, I think that's a correctable thing. In the, I mean, it obviously worked for Baker. He broke NCAA efficiency records. He had a good feel for when things were going to pop open, and I, I can pass this up to drive the ball downfield, that kind of stuff. He had a feel for that. Um, I think that, to me, a trade of, hey, option one's open right now. We're dropping one, two, three uh, in rhythm, one, two, three hitch throw. He's open. That is a more correctable trait than um, an innate ability or inability to hold on to the football or in an in, in, in innate uh, processing issue that is just too slow, like with Josh Allen, things speed up. He just can't work through it mentally in time. Um, and, you know, with, 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 with Rosen, you know, his red zone concerns were a big problem. Um, and I think what drove Rosen out of it was more his leadership and tangibles seemed to really be in question. I think that you can ignore them all you want, and his teammates can say things here and there, but you can't run from what his head coach was saying. And just some of the buzz caught up with him. So, I, I mean, to answer your question, yes. I think an on-the-field football player, uh, what Baker brings to the table translates um, in a way that you feel better about it as a scout than you would any of the other guys. But that's not to say the other guys can't translate too. But he carried the least amount of on-field question marks um, into the draft. Now, off-field, that's a different discussion as it is a different discussion for any of the first round five quarterbacks that were taken. But that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. All right, let's move on to the other uh, first-round pick that the Browns had, and that was Denzel Ward. Um, you know, the way it shook out, I think we all expected, you know, with Browns going quarterback at one, uh, Giants taking running back at two, uh, Jets taking quarterback at three, 
I think a lot of us expected them to go with Bradley Chubb uh, with the fourth pick, but instead they selected Denzel Ward. Were you, were you shocked that they went Ward? Because I thought they might have been able to trade down a few spots and still get him, uh, maybe to Buffalo. Um, but, you know, Buffalo ultimately decided to stand pat because I guess the Browns' uh, asking price was too high. Were you surprised that they maybe reached a little bit for Ward in that situation? Yes and no. Um, I think what happened is they obviously were going to shop that fourth pick, and I think the demand for it wasn't as high as they or, or we anticipated. It became clear that Buffalo did not want to give up that second first-round pick as they didn't give it up to Tampa. Um, and I don't think the Browns felt comfortable trading there. I do think that they were a little lower on Bradley Chubb than we from the outside perceived. They didn't meet with him, uh, didn't have many discussions with him. I think they place a high value on Emmanuel Agba and Miles Garrett. Um, I think they're going to draft a couple guys on the outside and inside, one player on the inside and maybe two on the outside. We'll see about that. But I do think they value what they had. And they the, the way they structured con- contracts for their corners, um, when you look at now them selecting Denzel Ward, it makes a lot of sense. So EJ Gaines, uh, Mitchell from Kansas City, TJ Carey, these guys were signed to deals that have early out clauses and uh, it's going to be a little bit of a uh, rebuild on the fly in the defensive secondary there with Demarius Randall as a part of the key cog there too. So um, I think they, they view it this way. We really like Jabril Peppers as a strong safety. We really like Denzel Ward as a corner. Everything else we're trying to fill in um, kind of on the fly, and if we don't feel good about a player in the following year, we have you know plenty of draft picks to select somebody we feel good about uh, in the coming years, but we're going to try with this group we have and go from uh, go from there. We all know that Greg Williams likes to run uh, different things on defense. How do you think Denzel Ward fits into his defense schematically? It, interesting. I had a had a lot of conversations with folks about that one. Um, I, it's no secret that, that that Greg Williams didn't feel comfortable with bringing his corners up um, to to put pressure on opposing wide receivers. He didn't trust Jason McCourty. He didn't trust Jamar Taylor to do those things. Now, whether that's tied into his lack of his trust as a who was behind them at free safety, um, I don't I don't know. I think he's going to obviously feel better about Demarius Randall, um, going to obviously feel a little bit better about Denzel Ward too. So we'll, we'll just have to see about that one. I think that they want to um, play EJ Gaines. They want to play... Uh, Denzel Ward, uh, a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. Maybe not true bump-and-run coverage, but at least uh, a little bit more pressure so that on the outside so that their guys on the interior and the box can get more pressure. They're obviously redesigning what they want on the interior um, with the Larry Ogunjobi mold player who can create pressure in a gap and get upfield, and that'll go alongside their, their defensive end uh, structure as well. So I think he fits. I think he can do a little bit of everything. He can play man-to-man. He's a sound tackler, very fluid uh, at the corner position, running, changing direction, stopping, still mirroring his guy. So good pick. I think it works. I just think that our value of where they were thinking about is most necessary for them was a little askew. You know, I think a lot of Browns fans have been clamoring uh, for us to take any kind of uh, decent Buckeye, you know, since we returned in 99. And I, we finally got that tonight. You know, we signed one in free agency. Dorsey drafted one. Buckeye fans might want to build him a statue uh, right about now uh, based <laughs> on that. But, you know, 
you know, Ohio State over, over recent years has kind of become DBU. Where do you see Ward fitting in with the likes of Gary on Conley and Eli Apple and those guys? Good question. I'm not sure he's going to be uh, Lattimore level good, but I do think he has that ability. I need I need to see how he will play against the bigger physical wide receivers. He has the height, but the the uh, size is something I'm interested to see. How his 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 combine weight was 183. He didn't reweigh at his pro day. I'm just not sure he's going to be in the 180s consistently like I would like him to be. I don't know if it'll be a factor for him. I don't I don't think it will. Um, but I think he can be a tier right there someday, maybe, uh, you know, at Lattimore level. But I think he's going to be one of the better ones that we see come out of there. And, and scouts rave about him. Uh, any of the guys they talk to, it, you know, you hear from at Ohio State, the coaches loved him there. So high character guy, glad he's up near home in Cleveland. It'll be a, I think it'll be a win-win for everybody. Uh, looking at the rest of the first round, were there any – uh, major surprises to you about where some guys went, where some guys didn't go, and and ultimately who fell? Yeah, I, I mean, there's going to be a ton of good names at the top of round two. I was a little surprised um, Connor Williams didn't go in round one. A um, little surprised James Daniels didn't go round one. A lot of linemen were actually taken, but those were two that stuck out. Um I thought Hayden Hurst went extremely early to Jacksonville for where I thought he would land the tight end out of uh, South Carolina. Um, Rashad Penny was a stunner at Seattle at 27. He was, a lot of people had him at number five in their running back category, and he went round one. I understand why he would. He's a heck of a football player, but uh, surprised some people there. And then Lamar Jackson falling all the way to 32 was a bit of a surprise as well. I think a lot of people, um, you know, had Lamar possibly going inside the top 15 and to see him to see him fall like that caught a lot of people, myself included, uh, by surprise. So um, not a ton of surprises. I mean, the quarterbacks that we thought were going to go round one went round one. Um, you know, a couple big names fell out of Harold Landry falling out of the first round is a surprise. Uh, but him and, and, and another name that I'll talk about to Maurice Hurst was both of those guys have injury questions so uh um, th th those you know in hindsight they don't you know they, they make a little bit of sense due to the injury concern but um you know Darius Geis will be a big name to pay attention to at the top of the second round heck of a football player so yeah um not a ton of shock uh but but uh, a fun draft that I thought ended up going in a lot of different directions for where I had pegged them or most of the the, the uh, mock drafts had pegged them too it didn't seem like many picks where I said to myself, Oh, that makes sense for them. That's, that's where a lot of people had them pegged. So fun, just fun. Unpredictability is fun. Yeah, it always is. Um, how would you grade the rest of the AFC North, uh, in the draft so far? The, the Bengals picked up Billy Price out of Ohio state. Um, the Steelers picked up, uh, Terrell Edmonds, um, from, I think he went to Virginia tech with his brother. Right. And then, yeah. um, you know, obviously the, the Ravens got, uh, Hayden Hurst and Lamar Jackson. How would you grade the rest of the AFC North? Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Did I say Hayden Hurst went to Jacksonville? I, I butchered that. My bad. Um, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. No, uh, interesting. The Hayden Hurst thing, which I was thinking Baltimore the whole time. I don't know why I drew a blank there. Um, I would not give that a very good, very high grade. I thought Mike Jasicki's a much better pick there. Um, but but an interesting pick nonetheless. Lamar Jackson's pretty good pickup for them at 32. I'd give them probably a C plus B minus. 
Um, I think they still could have waited on a quarterback, but I get it. Lamar's a pretty special player. Pittsburgh, the, the, the Edmonds pick, very interesting. I thought I had safeties, many safeties pegged higher, uh, specifically Justin Reed out of Stanford. I thought would have made a ton of sense for them there, but you know, it's tough to get real excited. It's a need for them, but it's, it's not anything pressing. Um, and then Cincinnati nailed it. I think they nailed it with Billy Price. I think they might have wanted Frank Ragnow, but Ragnow went to pick before Cincinnati. So they, they did a nice job with Billy Price, who did. Uh, you know, Billy did well getting his medical information out there the day before the draft that he's, he's going to be good to go by camp. So good, pretty, pretty solid picks. I mean, it's not, it's not, the, 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 it seems the theme of the AFC North is Cleveland picks high and everybody else picks low. So it's tough to get too exci- excited about those guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, just saw those those teams draft well. They pick solid football players, and you know they win games. So hopefully, we can be picking back where they are next year. Exactly, and you know I think Cincinnati's done a really good job of remaking their offensive line on the fly. You know they took uh, Billy Price tonight. They made a trade with Buffalo about three or four weeks ago um, to get the left tackle, whose name is totally blanking on me right now. Cordy Glenn. Yeah, Cordy Glenn. Yeah. And, yep. you know, so, you know, they've lost a lot of linemen over the last few years, including Zeitler, who's on the Browns now. So I, I think they've done a good job in kind of remaking that on the fly. Um, you know, they got to protect Andy Dalton and, um, you know, get that running game going as well. So I, I think that's a great uh, thing that they're doing. Um, you know, when it comes to the, the Steelers and the Ravens, it's interesting. It seems like uh, in Ozzie Newsom's last season, uh, with the Ravens, he's kind of setting them up for the future by getting Lamar Jackson. So I'm curious how that situation is going to play out with uh, with Joe Flacco moving forward. Uh, when you're looking at some of the guys at the top of the second round, uh, you know, the Browns have picks number 33 and number 35. You know, you have Darius Geis, Maurice Hurst, James Daniels, Harold Landry, Josh Jackson, Ronald Jones, Nick Chubb. Uh, Connor Williams, you know, there's there's a lot of guys where I, I think the, the Browns are probably salivating over right now that some of these guys are still there. You know, some fell to them. I, I'm using inside the pylons uh, draft board, and right now there are uh, seven guys in their top 20 that are still on the board uh, right now. So uh, I, I have to, I would have to think the Browns are probably thrilled in the situation they're in right now. I would have to think so too. I mean, there's always demand for that top of the round two draft board because teams fall in love with some prospects that slip out of the first round. And I think Cleveland now has two of the three top day two picks. It's going to be a little bit of a redo of what we saw tonight. And that's awesome. I think they could, if they want to give up 35, move into the forties or fifties and recoup a third round pick and feel really good about that. Still get a really good football player. Or they could, like I said earlier, they could just sit there and John Dorsey could just pick all the picks they have and, and feel really good about it. I mean, there are a lot of names. They want to address tackle early. They can address tackle. I'm not a huge Connor Williams fan, not a huge Brian O'Neill fan, Tyrell Crosby. I think I would prefer somebody of the likes of Jamarco Jones later, um, later on in the draft. But, you know, it's just me personally. But I would understand them addressing tackle if they feel they need to. But names that pop out to me, um, and I just tweeted it not too long ago, uh, Darius Geis, the LSU running back, I think is dynamic, probably the best pure in-between-the-tackles runner in the class. Just a dynamic football player, uh, top to bottom. Love his game. Uh, I think the the uh, off-the-field concerns are moot, just media-driven nonsense that I don't agree with. 
Uh, Harold Landry, the defensive end out of uh, Boston College, had an unbelievable 2016 season, actually graded out higher than Miles Garrett did as a pass rusher. Um, came back 2017, had some injury issues, still had some film where he popped, but the production wasn't the same, so he fell. Uh, I think he's fallen to round two. He, I mean, I wasn't afraid to call him the best pure pass rusher in this class, so they're able to pull a trigger for Harold Landry and come out of this draft with Harold Landry, uh, Denzel Ward, and Baker Mayfield would just be phenomenal. Uh, and then you could add somebody like a Darius Geis. The next guy I have on my four that I'm really interested in is wide receiver out of SMU Cortland Sutton, big guy, 6'4", uh, 215, ran really, really well. Uh, the prototype look uh, that you want at, at a wide receiver and can really play football. I thought he would get taken around one, specifically by Dallas, but Dallas did not end up wanting to take him. So, um, yeah, that's those are the three. And then the fourth is the sleeper is, you know, is Maurice Hurst out of out of, uh, out of Michigan dealing with the, 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 the combine. They gave him a flag for heart condition. He passed again by Michigan doctors. I don't know where teams stand on him with their big board, but those are the four that I feel are really good football players. Maurice Terse is an interior defensive lineman, nose tackle, D tackle type who can just get off the ball. He flies upfield, hand combat champion. The kid is just, just really good. So if that it's whatever angle they want to take, there's obviously Harrison Phillips that I love out of Stanford who, led Stanford in tackles as a, as a, as a one technique, three technique defensive tackle, a uh, heck of a football player, uber productive, obviously, if you can lead your team in tackles from that position. So, um, you know, it's, it's full of options. I don't know what direction to go. I've always had a hard time pegging where the Browns go in round two over the years. I feel like I always have a guy or two I love and they never take them. So I'm trying to figure out if they'll have any interest in the guys I have interest in. Um, I think they would, it would just be really unwise not to take Harold Landry. I just feel like he's such a good pass rushing threat, a round one grade type of player. Some teams even rumored to have him in their top 10. So, um, you know, that that's where I'm at. I think you use one of those picks on Landry and then the, the other one's a wild card and, you know, we'll see. Yeah, you know, I, I could even, you could probably even make a case for uh, James Daniels as well, the center. I think uh, Treader's contract is has an out after this season. So, you know, they could be looking to maybe fill that spot, um, you know, in the draft here. Uh, you know, Josh Jackson, you know, I think it would be very interesting if, you know, you were to pair him with Denzel Ward. You pick up Landry as well. You kind of sure up uh, the rest of your defense there. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of different options, and, you know, we'll find out. I, I think the top of the third or the top of the second round is going to be uh, a lot of fun uh, tomorrow night. Um you still have Mason Rudolph, uh, Kyle Aleta. I would imagine, you know, at least I would imagine both those guys will go some point in the second round tomorrow. Um, you know, the Giants pick second. Um, so, you know, they could be looking at a quarterback uh, behind Eli. Uh, so things are going to get real interesting uh, tomorrow uh, tomorrow night. Where, what do you see them doing with pick number 64 at the end of the second round? Is there one or two guys – around that spot that you have your eye on? I do think it gets interesting because based on Dorsey's track record, whether he was making the selections or, you know, when he was in Kansas City or that was driven by Andy Reid, and I don't know, but, but with his Green Bay track record, it's much the same. I'm not sure. I have the idea in my head. I love Darius Geis. I want to see him pick, but I'm not sure he makes it that selection because they never really have taken a running back uh, super early. So 64 was the area I targeted that they might try to take – a uh, 
a, a running back, somebody along the lines of Nick Chubb, Royce Freeman, um, you know, those those types of names. Rashad Penny was one of the names I floated too, but he's obviously gone. So um, Ronald Jones is still available out of USC. A lot of good running backs there. I'm not sure. I don't know where they stand mentally on running back. I don't know. They obviously signed Carlos Hyde, who they like. They paid him pretty good money. They have to re-sign Duke Johnson. They have still Matthew Days. I, I don't know where they stand on him as a player. Um, so we could just be talking out of our, uh, you know, uh, out of our rear end here about whether they take a running back or not. But that's where I expect 64. I, I do think they could 64 look to address tackle somebody along the lines of the name I mentioned earlier, Jamarco Jones. Uh, somebody Chuck Wuma Okora for out of Central or sorry, Western Michigan could be a project player that they really like, good feet. Um, that that 64 seems like a spot that they might try to target um, a tackle or even an interior player like Harrison Phillips I mentioned earlier. Oh, one of my favorite running backs, and I think he might go day three, is Kalen Balaj. Um, you know, he really impressed me at the Senior Bowl. Uh, watched some of his stuff over the season. Uh, as at Arizona State, he was just absolutely murdering people uh, when he made contact with them. He's one of the guys that I I would love to see us get and you know use these earlier picks to uh, address other issues. Um, before we get on out of here, is there anything else about tonight or tomorrow that you want to discuss? No, I think we've covered it, man. It's going to be exciting still. they got three more picks in the second round. Day three will be a little bit slower for them, but um, you know, these, these three picks I would certainly say are just as important to the structure of who they're going to be over the next four years as these, you know, two day one picks. So a lot of fun. Um, hopefully they can, they can target some of the big names that are still out there, attack a couple of needs while also trying to balance that best player available. And we, we can feel really good about the five core players they have going into, going into Saturday. Yeah. I would tend to think that, you know, you're looking to get four starters uh, out of these first five picks, or if not, four starters, maybe two and three uh, very key rotational guys. Uh, I think that's what they have to do uh, based on where they are now talent-wise. Uh, you know, you, you, I know it's impossible to hit on every single draft pick, but they, they really have to have a high success rate if they're going to turn this around soon. So it'll be very interesting uh, to see what happens uh, tomorrow night. Do um, you want to plug everything you're doing over at Waiting for Next Year uh, for draft coverage? I don't know what else you have going on. Yeah, no, that's that's it, man. A lot of a lot of waiting for next year stuff. We'll we'll put out more work, um, recapping day one, projecting day two. Who's going to go at the top around two? Names to look out for. I do I do some work on CoverOne.net. Obviously, uh, those are player profile sorts of things. I will do a recap of of uh, how day one went for Cleveland for them. But yeah, those are the two places I write for. Obviously, I try to interact with everybody I can on uh, Twitter, Jake. Uh, Jake underscore Burns 18. And, um, yeah, that's about it, man. All right. You're, one of these days you're going to have to tell me how you uh, cut all those clips very quickly because it seems to be awesome, and I, I need to learn how to do that. Um, <laughs> this is a misconception. It's not It's not quick, man. It is, it is literally I'm at work all day Monday. I'm working. I'm doing things at work and cutting up clips as quickly as I can and doing them. Sometimes I try to do them like, like – NFL puts out the all not the all 22, but they release the replay of the game about nine o'clock Sunday nights. So some nights I would stay up and, and make the clips. So it, it's, it's actually a ton of work. I'm, I'm hoping I can still find the time with a newborn to, to be able to do it this year. Yeah. You know, I, I would imagine, you know, with a newborn to keep you up at odd hours at night, maybe they'll give you a little, little extra time. 
uh, to do some of that stuff. Um, but um, you know, I really appreciate you coming on um, and talking with us close around one. Uh, you know, as always, you can follow the show at Ten Eighty Five Gridiron on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, be sure to follow me personally on Twitter at AndyJokeyJokey. Uh, if you're listening to this, you probably found us on one of our platforms. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Overcast app. Um, you know, with that, we're getting out of here. And as always, uh, as we do get out of here, I'll leave you with this. As I always do, go Browns. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.